You're listening to a Rare Drop podcast. Check us out at raredrop.co. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Tim here, and I want to take a quick second to remind you about Kings Coast Coffee and our roaster's choice. It is a constantly changing coffee selection handpicked by our head roaster, Wayne. It is guaranteed to shake up the way you wake up. Now, GCX is our big event that happens in June every year in Orlando, Florida. And so this is a great time to go and pick up your tickets. So head on over to GCXevent.com to learn more. Now, if you've missed out on any of our other Rare Drop productions, you can head on over to raredrop.co slash YouTube to get caught up on the Broman podcast, The Jam, WRS, and more. So now it's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Hi. We're in a new room. What's up? Welcome to episode 100. 100 of the Ask Broman podcast. Uh, I started doing this. I should have looked it up, but I'm not well planned. I started doing this like two and a half years ago uh, because I got sick of people in chat asking me how to become a streamer and me feeling like I'd only give uh, like a three sentence answer. Right. And I'm sure you feel the same way. TV. We'll get to introductions in a second. This is casual talking time. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I got you. November 5th, 2017, apparently. So a little over two years. 100 episodes later. Um, and uh, I think it's like what's like 280 uploads on the feed or something. It's a lot, a lot of a lot of stuff. So, yeah, um, we started this as a resource to help broadcasters learn from other broadcasters because there's a lot of information that gets lost uh, and it's turned into something that's a whole lot more than I ever expected. We're going to have lots of cool guests on this year, but most importantly, it is important that we talk about how important today's guest is. And that's true Vanguard. Hi, true Vanguard. Hey, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Ah, Thanks for being here. For those who are uninitiated, what is it that you do on the internet box? On the interwebs. What what content do you make? yeah, I'm there in your picture shows. Yeah, so I live stream uh, formerly on Twitch. Now I'm on Facebook gaming. Nice. Uh, joined the ranks of the guys like uh, Yield Darkness 429. Yield so I'm over there on Facebook, a live stream, a lot of video games. Uh, also uploads on the YouTubes and uh, I'm on other forms of social media like Twitter and Instagram as well. Just uh, trying to provide entertainment and create a wonderful community of gamers online. Yeah, I like that. So, um, where all do you produce content for for the people who don't know? Like if you if I was to look at everything True Vanguard makes, where do you make stuff? What do you make? Yeah. So if you wanted to find me out, yeah, the various forms of social media, Facebook, <laughs> YouTube, uh, Instagram and Twitter. I really do spend a lot of time on Twitter. I absolutely love being on Twitter. Twitter's I'm dope. Like, it's the best. You know, it's, it's great for networking, too. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I've made a lot of connections through Twitter just by uh commenting on threads that other people comment on i'm like who's this guy he's got a check mark or who's this guy he's got a lot of likes on his comment you know he must have people who follow him you know yeah and he gets to sort of meet new folks and branch out it's great it's how i've actually um formed relationships with a lot of people who are on like community teams of game developers it's all through twitter yes yes i'm so glad you said that Because a lot of folks ask that all the time. Like this one, they're like, oh, I want, how do I get in good with the community guys? They act like it's this veiled, like there's the secret society of streamers right. that get to talk to the community developers. But in reality, um, those relationships happen either two way. One, you make content for them and you're so big that they have to talk to you, 
which is of like one percent of people, maybe. Yeah. And then the right. other side is, oh, uh, I listen to this person because they comment on everything I ever tweet, and they have a reasonable tone of voice. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it is. Hey, this is a person who's not a complete d bag. Yeah. That is. <laughs> who this, talks to me. This is. Yeah. Like, there's so much power in liking people's tweets and and like interacting with people on Twitter. I think that. I think it gets really underutilized because everyone's just trying to go viral. But if you go out there and you want to try to connect with people, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter is a fantastic way to really show support. Every once in a while, I like to like to get on Twitter and just find people tweeting stuff that they're proud of and try and like gas them up. Be like, you're fucking great. (laughs) That's great. You're killing it. Yeah. I need to get drunk and do it. Then it'll be everybody. I'll fucking get so many unfollows. It'll be dope. Um, (laughs) That's right. So where did you start when you started your journey to full-time streaming? Uh, where, where did you start at? Like where, where did you start making content and what was the right. first piece of content you made? This is always fun. Okay. So I, my Genesis really was, Ooh, um, I was a presence on the bungee.net forums. I'd been on the Bnet forums for a long time. Um, you know, back when halo was my main thing, Right. I never made any videos or was a content creator back then. I was just a, a, a forum entity. And um, I sort of had this reputation on the forums as being somebody who was helpful, right? I liked, nice. I liked to be in threads where people were trying to figure things out or trying to get better at certain activities. And how do I get better at doing this, right? Those are the sorts of threads that I would really gravitate towards. Yeah. And so I kind of developed this reputation on the forums, first and foremost, as just being a helpful person in the community there. Um, and so at the time, I was also working um, at, a, at a nonprofit. I worked with young uh, you know, teens and stuff. Nice. So one of the common grounds with them was gaming. So I was like, well, you know, like maybe I'll just make a couple of YouTube videos for some of these, these specifically these boys that I was working with that just they didn't they needed a connection point. And, um, yeah. and so I put some of my cool plays in a video and I just kind of gave a little tips on on basic stuff on how to get better at shooters and uh the kids in the in the group they really loved it well i also figured well hey this is this sort of this sort of applies to a question someone asked on the forums too so i just started saying you know um i could tell you but it it might be easier if i just show you this is a video that i created okay that sort of talks about that topic and people trusted that link right Uh, i wasn't a guy who just showed up on bnet and was like watch my youtube channel right Yes, it was. Oh, this is this is TV. Uh, we know him. He's been here for a long time. He's very helpful. So I sort of built up that trust first. Yeah. And so they trusted the link. And uh, my first YouTube videos were I mean, they probably had like between 100 and 200 views. And I was like on cloud nine. I was like, oh, my gosh, like people <laughs> right? like my content. No way. Holy you know, what shit. I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember the first time I saw a video hit 100 views. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm famous. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, 100%. I get that. I get it. That's oh right. And you know those milestones they just start you just start pushing it back further. And next time it's like I got a video that hit 200 and then I had a video hit 500. I'm like this is incredible. It, yeah. you know? And so every time that it just gets pushed back a little bit further and further and further and things really start to snowball. I remember um I remember specifically a day that I hit uh 500 viewers uh on a youtube video yeah and i was like on cloud nine i thought it was just so incredible and i saw i got a notification that miss 5000 watts had uploaded a video and this was back in d1 year one 
And so I was like, oh, I like her stuff. So I just clicked on it. And the second I got there, it it said like 600 views or something, right? And I had just gotten the notification. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have so far to go. Because <laughs> it was within seconds, you know, <laughs> she reached that many views. Yeah. But uh, no, I anyways. mean, it's, it is, uh, it's always really sobering to get that gut check when you think you're really crushing it. Yeah, and then you see sure. somebody else and you're like, oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> at least that's what it was like for me. So what so that's that that's how you started making like clips and stuff. How did you mm-hmm. when did you start saying I would like to take my content from this produced area to live? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually funny story. I had really bad like I guess you call it social anxiety being in front of people when I was younger. Um, like getting up in front of people and giving speeches or delivering, uh, you know, things in school or in college when you had to get up and give a presentation, my knees would shake, my hands would shake. Uh, I'd get the, the, sh- the shortness of breath and you're tr- trying to get to the end of a sentence without <gasps> taking a deep breath. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah and that yeah, was yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Like it was rough. Um, <laughs> and so I, <laughs> it was a skill I had to learn. Um, and I, it's sort of like the, one of these things that you can prep for it. Um, but the only way that you can really get better at it is by doing it. So I got kind of fortunate before I ever started live streaming. I ended up taking a position at a church where uh, I had I had to preach. I was a, mm-hmm. I was an assistant to the, the head pastor. And anytime he was gone, I would have to get up and I would have to deliver you know, sermons in front of a congregation. Yeah. And it was rough at first. I'd get up there in front of all these people looking at me like, give us the word of the Lord today. And I'm like, my knees are shaking and I'm going to vomit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to take that journey to kind of get through it until I got to the point where I was comfortable being up in front of people. I was yeah. comfortable, um, you know, saying what was on my mind and having smooth transitions, all that stuff. It, it came with practice and a lot of it. And so eventually I just got to this point where I had developed those skills. I didn't even know Twitch existed until I, um, until I actually um, encountered KJ Hovey in one of my videos. Okay. So KJ Hovey, uh, who many people in the Destiny community know, he um, he commented on one of my videos and it was a it was a video about No Land Beyond. And I was just kind of saying, No Land Beyond, I'm not going to lie to you. It's really not that great, but it's kind of fun to play with. And I remember he commented on this video and he said, um, I actually think it's it's actually a really good gun in the right hands. And he said, you know, I I actually play with this gun a lot and I, I feel like I do really well with it. And I'm like, yeah, right. Sure you do. So I clicked on his his name. I went to his YouTube channel like, bull crap. I pull up a video and I'm watching his gameplay. I'm like, wait, holy crap. This guy's <laughs> really freaking good. Okay. And so I saw he was in this clan Resolute. I followed them on Twitter. They said they were going to live stream uh, scrimmage against another clan. And I was like, streaming? What's that? And I clicked on the link and I ended up on Twitch watching this scrimmage between a Resolute and a different clan. And I was like, this is really cool. Like live interaction with viewers, with video games. Like I didn't even know that was really a thing. I sort of gaming was my at night by myself under a rock kind of activity. I I never realized it it could be shared at, at that level. So that was my introduction to Twitch. Um, long story short, I got into the clan Resolute, became great friends with KJ Hovey. And one day he said, you should stream. And I and I did. That's amazing. <laughs> and so and so the first time you streamed was that did that feel really organic for you did it feel like this is the place where my content should live or did it feel like another piece in the tool belt 
of things you were building? You know, I kind of I sensed early on that this might be the thing that defined my my content. Mm -hmm. But I think that's because we were kind of spoiled as PvP players at the time. Like we didn't realize how good we had it. Um, well, in some ways and in other ways, not so much. But this was right when Trials was like right on the, the high point. Sure. So my first streams were like 800, 900 people. Uh, some streams over a thousand people before I ever got partnered on Twitch. Huh? I had a 3000 viewer stream before ever being partnered. Um, that's amazing. I, I had no idea what that number meant at the time. I had sure. no idea that yeah. that was like, that's a lot of people in a live stream. I didn't know that. It sure, it sure is. That's crazy. <laughs> that's so opposite of what usually happens. So how did you handle that? Well, I just thought I was doing the math in my head and I'm like, Hmm, you know, a lot of streamers I see, they typically have like double, um, whatever their average viewer count is mm -hmm. like double that. And that's what their subscriber base looks like. Sure. Um, and so I was doing the math and I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to be rich. Um, <laughs> gotcha. but, <laughs> so but the problem is, um, I never wanted to charge people or do sub only, uh, stuff until real late in the game. When it came to trials, I just like to play with people and get to know people. Yeah. So a lot of those really successful trials players were people who, um, they earned subscribers by treating their subscribers very well and yes. doing trials runs with exclusively them. Yes. Um, and I didn't do that. So very late in the game until the trials started to really die down. So I actually didn't have a really big subscriber base at the time uh, that I was doing trials. You know, I could have a thousand viewers, but only have 200 subs. And um, mathematically, if, if you're not familiar with Twitch yeah. and how that works, that's a really terrible sub count to be sitting at if you're averaging a thousand viewers. Yeah. Um, and so then I started to kind of reel it back. Like, OK, I really need to continue to diversify um, my content. And uh, obviously, when trials died down, those numbers were that were pretty astronomical at the time kind of reeled back in yeah. um, to a more realistic number. And uh, I just continued to to be diverse. I invested heavily in Twitter. I invested heavily in YouTube and uploading clips and highlights and helpful videos. And uh, even to this day, I, um, I pr there's not one that takes precedence over the others. I, I try to be as diverse as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a really you just seem to have all of the right responses to these situations, right? Like um, instead of getting overly emotional or like really freaking out, you were like, okay, this is an opportunity to focus on this, which mm -hmm. is kind of incredible. Like, did you have any moments where you were a little panicked or was it always just this like steady navigating a ship in the sea <laughs> sort of mentality? Yeah. Um, so my wife and I are polar opposites. She's the one that, um, she's really she's a very passionate person so her highs are high her lows are lows yes um when she's invested in something she's mega invested in it and when she's scared about something she's really nervous about it and i'm the opposite like my highs are pretty mellow my lows are also very mellow um and when i get really excited about something i i don't tend to get overly animated either so okay um with this journey that i've been on i don't know that i can even point to a single moment where i was like feeling defeated feeling crushed feeling like this is i just don't know if this is gonna work um 
I think I was always just kind of like, you know, it's, I mean, whatever happens, happens, I'll continue to invest in it. And, um, you know, if it becomes something it does, if it doesn't, um, you know, that's okay too. I didn't hate, I enjoyed the work that I was doing, uh, working for, I worked for a number of different nonprofits and it was all very good work for fulfilling work. Um, so I, I don't know that I ever had a moment where I hit like a, a real low, low. This is so awesome. This is like the best you're you didn't know it but you're like the best person to have on the podcast for episode 100 you, you have so <laughs> many there's so many variables um or like outlier responses to stuff compared to all the because okay so tv and i were talking about like how many people we've had i've had on this beforehand um mm-hmm. and it's you know there's a lot of responses like people have a what i would consider like a traditional response um I am I am the kind of person who has a really traditional response. Uh, you used a lot of words to describe me that my wife used to uh, to describe your wife that my wife uses to describe me <laughs> yeah, was what yeah. I was trying to say. He's very passionate. He gets incredibly animated and attached to things. Um, yeah, I can't imagine Professor Broman being like that. Uh, <laughs> but your your response of of sort of. I don't know. Like when I'm trying to figure things out, I feel like I'm stuck in a maze. Right. Um, okay. But I yeah. have noticed. So I'm like turning left and right and like, let's take keep track of the walls and like I'm scrutinizing every detail. Um, and sometimes that's to great benefit to me. Uh, but at other times, times when like my channel maybe needs a pivot, I spend so much time in the maze that I don't just realize like, OK, well, what you need to do is like climb over the wall and walk out of the maze because we're going to go play a different game now. Like you know, there needs to be a new strategy. Uh, sure. So I just, I wanted to highlight that if, if you're listening, <laughs> if you can have the emotional fortitude to say, okay, this isn't what I was expecting and that's all right. Let's figure out what it actually is and keep moving forward. You get to skip like two months of being panicked. And that's from personal experience. <laughs> so what was it like having your first streams with thousands of people? Like, was that overwhelming to you or did you feel it feel natural to you? I before it before I keep going, like to me, I also used to write sermons. So I got really comfortable talking in front of people and like making rhetorical arguments and like controlling mm-hmm. the way that I speak. Um, so did it feel for me the first time I got on Twitch and I had a real discussion, it felt a lot like a sermon. Do you feel like that part of your life prepared you for this part of your life? You know, I think I was pretty well prepared in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I worked uh, pretty heavily on on the the counseling side of of yeah. ministry at the time um, and other nonprofit work. Uh, I sat down with a lot of people in you know controlled environments and had dialogue, uh, and oftentimes about things that are difficult to talk about, things that are really troubling um, and hard to hard to walk through. I think that really prepared me for uh, the life of, of being a streamer because as a streamer, the people talk back, you know, yes, and you can present your are. opinions, but they might not agree with you and they can, they can tell you freely. Yeah. And so I kind of got spoiled in this. I think I was pretty well prepared for being able to have dialogue with people who don't necessarily see things the way that I see things and uh, being able to kind of walk through our thoughts together. I think a lot of people, they, um, they put up walls too. They don't want to hear um, anything that is uh, contrary to what they believe. And, yeah. and so they get defensive. And I think I was pretty well prepared because I had to deal with defensive people a lot because when you're trying to help somebody see something in a different light, 
you have to work on breaking down those barriers and breaking down those walls. And that's not to say that I'm perfect at it. I, I think that I can even be defensive at times of my own opinions, um, especially when people tell you you're wrong over and over and over again. That can be a challenging thing. Yeah. But I was at least, yes. I think, m- more prepared than most. Yeah, I. Th- that's that's so. Yeah, that's how I felt. That's yay. Uh, <laughs> affirming. <laughs> I, um, mild sidetrack, but everybody is telling me in chat when we got started that you're a huge fan of whiskey. I am yeah. sipping whiskey right now. Yeah, you, you mentioned that when we when we got started. Do you have like a favorite or a recommended for people who Absolutely. are who, so, who are interested in finding out what your flavor is? Yes. So there are lots of different uh, approaches to whiskey, and not all of them are the same. Sure. Uh, I tend. To, I'll talk about the ones that I, I tend to prefer. You've got your standard bourbons, which are, um, you know, a lot of them are corn based, so it's 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 a little bit sweeter. So if you like sweet things that also bite a little bit, that might be a good uh, entry point. Something like, you know, some some good bourbons, maybe start middle shelf. Um, but for me, I like I, I've always preferred things that are just really like dry flavors, like dry red wines and stuff like that. So if, yeah. you, if you like a really dry whiskey, I really love rye. Uh, yeah. Rye whiskeys are very dry. A lot of them bite kind of hard. And uh, that's the sort of my world that I live in. I, okay. I have lots of different rides. My favorite would be Whistlepig. Ah, which is, I know that Whistlepig. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Whistlepig's 15 years. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and uh, Mammoth. Mammoth has a 15 year. And actually, if you're looking for a little tip slash trick, yeah. Whistlepig outsources their rye whiskey. Okay. But they're a. They're a bigger brewery, so they can uh, distillery. Sorry, not brewery. Yeah, they're a bigger distillery, so they can slap a little bit of a higher price on it because you're paying for their, you know, their bottling, their brand, etc. Uh, but they outsource to the same place that does Mammoth's 15 year rye, okay. which is about thirty dollars cheaper. So if you want to ah. have, if you want to have that that um, 15 year rye whiskey for, you know, seventy to eighty dollars instead of, you know, one hundred ten to one hundred twenty. Then go with mammoths. Okay. Little little tip slash trick. Other than that, I'm I'm also a big fan of um of a solid single malt scotch. Yeah. And not all scotch is the same either. It, it really does depend on which region of Scotland you're talking about. Fair. Um I love scotch from the island of Islay. Um Okay. Scotch is like Lafroig and Calilla. They're just excellent, excellent uh, scotch. So if you ever want to get into scotch, that's a great place to start. The peat is fantastic in Islay, trust me. It sounds like the best place to start if you want to learn about whiskey might actually be all of your social media. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I feel like you could talk about that for like another three hours. If you want to make this into a whiskey podcast for the next hour, we can do that. <laughs> my, my favorite um, that I've had uh, was Habiki 18. Is one of yeah. my favorites because it was so unique. And then that's been discontinued, right? Habiki or it's not discontinued to supply outstrip demand. So they had to like stop production for two years. Is it them or uh, is it another one? I is that Yamazaki? It's, I think you, I think it's only local, right? Really? They don't distribute. They don't distribute locally. Oh, nose. yeah. Yeah. So they, they pulled production back. Yeah. OK. I couldn't remember. I just read that article and I got really sad because I couldn't get it here anymore. Um, no. Yeah, that that's good. Yeah, I could talk about whiskey a lot, but I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been. I've been trying to cut back, trying to lose the weight. So uh, 
haven't been drinking as much. I should have replaced much. all the beer in my house with whiskey because yeah, I drink it in smaller quantities, so I yeah. don't you know get all the empty calories and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should do that. I should just drink whiskey. But pretty much I just smoke weed now. So <laughs> thanks, Florida. Thumbs up to the camera. Uh, <laughs> so continuing on, you you felt you had this natural aptitude streaming live. You have all these viewers for the first time. Things are weird. What takes you from, and you're trying to figure your way out, what takes you from that moment to where you're at right now? Like, what are the highlights along the pathway? Is there any sentinel moments or watershed moments where you're like, this changed everything? Yeah, I think everybody has has sort of big monumental moments for sure. Yeah. Um, But for me, I think my journey was much more defined by just putting one foot in front of the other and these small steps and the way that it evolves over time, you know, obviously you can look back and you're like, man, it's way different than it was back then, but you can't see any like huge transitional steps that you took is because a lot of it was just, it's just the slow, steady plotting path and just keeping on that grind, uh, you know, treating every day like a new day. Um, I think it's really important also having uh, different practices other than just hit the live button. I have a full routine before I go live. There are things that I do that lead up to that moment because I found over time, pay attention. If chat. I'm not, if I'm not in the right headspace and I hit go live, I can lose a lot of my initial viewers that come when they click on the, they click on the notification. I can lose a lot of my initial viewers because I'm not in the right headspace when people show up. Right. And so if I'm too tired, if I'm dragging uh, all these things really interrupt my, um, they interrupt my, I don't know what you, what you call it, like your chi or whatever, whatever, my energy, my presence Whoa. when I first go live. Your so, neurology, if you're used to priming it, like this is the same thing as like warming up before a game, right? Like we, yeah, all, it's like doing your know, stretches we all know what being on mentally feels like and getting to mm-hmm. that place via ritual is a key part of like a lo- anybody who's high performing in any field. Not a lot yeah. of people can just get dropped in or they can get dropped in any point in the day after they finish the routine. So what's your routine? My routine uh, involves, so there's always got to be some form of exercise. I don't go to the gym every day. Right. Um, I go to the gym usually four days out of the week, but I do uh, just in home exercises as well, just because I, I need to get my body energized. I need to get blood pumping. I need to exert some energy Um and that way I can take that into, into my stream, into my content. I even do this if I'm going to do editing or whatever, because I found that, man, I, if I'm staring at a screen, screen editing a video, it's really easy for me to like space out and my head starts to dip, you know, and my eyes get heavy. Um, I have to make sure that my blood is pumping. I also do uh, reading. Okay. I, uh, not just empty reading, um, not just How much? reading for the sake of reading. Um, it, like sometimes it's minutes. only just a couple of pages. Okay. Sometimes it's a chapter. Sometimes, you know, it's some, usually it's, it's around 15 minutes or so of, of just getting my, my mind engaged with something and getting that part of my body working too. Yeah. So exercise and then engaging my brain with something before I go live is, is pretty key for me. Mm-hmm. I also brew coffee. So how much, how much time does that take? Uh, like well, if you were to put it all together, if I was to put it all together, normally it is, well, it depends if I go to the gym or if it's in home exercise, but, um, 
it's normally i would say around half an hour of a of a pre-game routine okay that's actually shorter than i thought you were gonna say mm-hmm. i thought it was gonna be well, like I a mean, two hours if i have to drive to the gym and drive back there's some extra time yeah. there but if it's just in-home activities you know i i get i grind my coffee beans up i get the the um the coffee machine going do uh some exercises do some reading good to go okay okay that's so that's really interesting um that you bring that up this is something i haven't had a chance to talk about on the podcast uh very much um because i've done a lot of i've done a lot of experimenting with my schedule over the seven years i've been streaming oh by the way chat today is my seven year anniversary on twitch from the first time i streamed uh, I'm so great at celebrating milestones episode 100 for seven years on Twitch. And I had, I have nothing planned. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, but the, uh, we're, yeah, they'll do celebrating stuff tomorrow and whatnot. But, uh, here's the deal. I, I messed with my start time so much. Um, and I even spent six months using a data driven start time. So I had the folks at OPG identify the time periods on Twitch where I had the highest amount of opportunity and then mm-hmm. try to start my stream an hour before that so that my regulars could show up. And I did that for six months and Amy and I almost got a divorce <laughs> because I was so miserable because yeah, it, I hear you. it broke my routine. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how important that routine was until I like violated that. And so now I know that there's probably better times that I could start streaming or I know that there's like things that are ideal. And that's something that I think a lot of people who are starting, they're fighting this. Oh, well, I don't have a consistent schedule, so I shouldn't do this or I don't have a lot of time, so I shouldn't do this instead of just working inside of the boundaries that they have. So for me, like my routine is one of those boundaries. Like it takes me about two hours if I want to be all the way awake and I don't have a magical morning, which we all have those, right? You wake up, it feels like you drank a cup of coffee already. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, So unless I'm having one of those mornings, it's like wake up, make coffee, check everything that's going on with rare drop, check everything that's going on with GCX, check news, drink the coffee, you know, help Amy out like with what, like try and try and clean up the house. I don't do that every day. If she's here, she's gonna be like, you try. And I'll be like, I know I try. I said, try. <laughs> I should do better. I know I should. Um, she appreciates She appreciates it. But like, uh, and I do all these things to sort of get to a place where I feel like my life is decluttered enough that I can go be creative for mm-hmm. a period of time and then sort of come back to like normal life where I'm not trying to create anymore. Um, and that's been really helpful for me, uh, just accepting that limitation of how long it takes me to really wake up and get in that right place. Um, so it's just really cool to hear it. So is that a, uh, is that a routine that you keep every day or do you only do that on Daisy stream? Uh, that is, that is my stream day routine. Well, I still go to the gym regardless of whether I'm streaming or not, but okay. That's definitely my pre-stream thing. Like those things just kind of go in tandem for me. Yeah. Um, and I obviously before I ever start that like 30-ish minute routine or longer, depending on if I'm leaving the house or not, um, there's also the whole uh, beginning of my day that is getting little humans ready for yeah. their routines. So yeah. that helps get me awake as well too. So sure, sure. That factor. 
that is something we wanted to talk about. I want to talk about a little bit was mm-hmm. you are a parent. Um, do you, would you like to share how that has impacted this journey for you? Um, and it, I'm not asking you for, for like negative stuff. If you don't have any negative stuff to say, that's actually awesome. Um, or challenging <laughs> stuff to say, that's actually super cool too. But I, yeah. um, I, my journey, it was devoid of, of children. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have any kids. We've so been doing this for seven years. Um, yeah. so I don't know what it's like to try and juggle all of these online stressors, um, which get overwhelming for all of us, like myself included. And then the idea of like trying to manage a relationship and a family at the same time kind of horrifies me, even though we're trying to have kids. So, right. <laughs> it, I mean, I'll be, I'll be candid. It is, it is a genuine challenge. Um, you know, I've been doing this for years. My son is, uh, my son turned six next week. Okay. So uh, I've been doing this with a little human for almost six years now. Um, Yikes. And it's, it is a genuine challenge. Uh, even, even to this day, there's times, I mean, I had, I had, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, in the, in my peak hours, my viewership is peaked and I'm feeling real good, feeling energized. And I get a phone call. It's like, Hey, your son threw up. You're going to need to come get him from school. And it's like, well, my whole day is now my whole, everything I wanted to do today, everything I wanted to accomplish today, it gets sidelined. And, yeah. and it's a, yeah. So this can get kind of heavy. Yeah, this is the no, point, that's great. and I have seen this in other people's lives, whether they're content creators or not. But these are the moments that do genuinely define you as a parent because okay. the it's all about your headspace. In those moments, you can choose to resent the child um, mm-hmm. for the way that they have impacted what you wanted to do, what your desires were, what your wants were, what your needs were. Okay. Um, a lot of people can choose to resent the child, whether they do it you know, knowingly or not. Um, and that affects that affects when when that kid who is now not feeling well, feels miserable yeah. and is just looking forward to that moment that daddy comes and picks them up, you know. And if when you show up, you're coming from a place of resentment, um, you can go basically to the end of the day and and know that you have now ruined your routine, ruined your viewers routine and ruined your child. Your child has now had a negative uh, memory as well. Yeah. Uh, from this day. And you have to choose. You really do have to be really it, it is a decision. It's not just a feeling um, in those moments to feel happy and to feel like, oh, of course, I will go and take good care of my child. <laughs> it's not just. Yeah, a, it's just boy. This you know is I mean? great. Yeah, it, it is. A, it's a choice you have to make. And you have to make that choice day after day after day after day after day because kids, especially at that age, it's, yeah, it's, it's not going to stop. You can't expect them to respect your work. Because mm-hmm. they just they don't understand that's not even in their DNA right now. It's not written into their DNA at that point. And so you just have to every day you choose in this moment. I do not resent my child. I do not resent my child. I love my child. And, and sometimes <laughs> you just have to give yourself a pep talk. And so okay. it is a challenge sometimes. Dude, this is so honest. What what sort of advice do you have for people who might be in that moment and they want to make the right decision, but it's hard? Is there something mm-hmm. you tell yourself? You, you, you mentioned you do, a lot of stuff, but I didn't know if there was <laughs> like, I know you just said a whole bunch of stuff that is exactly like what you do. What I mean is, like, do you have a mental trick? Do you have something that you do every time that maybe someone else wouldn't think of that could help them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a man of mantras. I think it, it depends on that person and how they're wired, wired. But for me, it is I have for various things in life, I have mantras that are just drilled into my brain. It's just so that it's like this automatic response that when 
a situation arises, my brain immediately goes to this mantra that that is associated with that circumstance. And when it comes to kids interrupting my routines, um, yeah, so my head just always goes back to the same idea, the same phrase. My child is not an inconvenience. My child is not an inconvenience. Every time my my uh, something gets interrupted by a kid, my child is not an inconvenience. My child is not an inconvenience. And that just immediately changes uh, my starting point for how my brain starts to think about this situation. Hmm. So I, I'm not coming from a, a position of you're inconveniencing me, inconveniencing me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... I, I live by mantras. That way my brain just instantly goes to it in that moment. That's not to say I'm perfect and I never slip up and I'm always just sure. a wonderful, loving, perfect father. Um, but that's that's just my way of coping with those situations. I think that that is so incredibly honest. <laughs> and I don't I don't I don't think in a million years I would have been able to think through things that way. Um, that's incredible. So with all of the, those restraints and, and having these random things pop up in your day, uh, you have managed to against what would have been common knowledge and advice about being successful, still be incredibly successful at making content, despite having restrictions on your time, interruptions on your time, changes and inconsistencies in how you're probably going to have to live everyday life. I assume since, you know, you're married and forgive me for not stalking you enough on, on Twitter that like y'all <laughs> take vacations and stuff. You probably mm-hmm. take time off to make sure the kids see their grandparents and things like that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And all of that, just even saying those words out loud, rack me with anxiety. <laughs> I don't have a healthy relationship with the word vacation. Um, so you, 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 you have all of these things and then you're, you're adding the vacations on top of it you are like this perfect example of somebody, at least in my mind, that has a very human schedule that has been able to be successful in doing this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I did not <laughs> have a healthy relationship with my scheduling and with time when I started, right. I 12 to 16 hour days every single day for two and a half years, unless I was traveling or sick. And then usually even still when I was sick, and I, I gave up a lot of, you know, I gave up my relationship with my parents for that period of time and I've had to reconnect with them. And, and I made all of these decisions, um, to try and accelerate my success. Um, and I find myself asking, uh, me often if I think that those things are worth it. Um, and hearing, uh, hearing you talk about how you've managed to handle everything makes me go back and think, I bet I could have approached all that stuff differently. Uh, (laughs) perhaps, uh, and I just, I, I don't know, man, I really, really love and appreciate your perspective. Um, that's kind of you to say, yeah, it's, you're a very wise guy. Uh, do you, (laughs) I hope so. Ah, now you're smart. So, so you started streaming on Twitch and as you mentioned earlier, uh, you stream on Facebook now. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about what that transition was like? Um, yeah, sure. I'm happy and, to. And, and what you see as a benefit or like, you know, if there's any trade-offs, like compare the two, compare your experience um, and, and let people learn. I, I think one of the things that to give you context, one of the things we've talked about on the podcast a lot is other streaming platforms. Um, you go back to <laughs> two and a half years. I'm talking about it. Um, 
So I think everybody sort of has this idea that all of these different entities exist now. And one of the things holding people back or the information that's hard to find as a creator is what makes this platform unique for me and what I'm creating. So if you could get into that too, that would also be super dope. Absolutely. Yeah. I've definitely have a good responses for that. Cool. Thank yeah. You. So how <laughs> the transition happened, we'll start there. Um, you know, I was pretty well established. Well, what I would consider well established as a content creator on Twitch. Um, I was happy with my numbers. I was happy with my community. I didn't, I didn't make a transition from a starting point of frustration, right? It wasn't like a man. I don't like where I am right now on Twitch. That wasn't it. Um, but the, the streaming world is evolving. It's changing. And, uh, I think you could probably attest to this, but the value of influencers, uh, has gone dramatically up. The way that the industry yeah. values its influencers has just skyrocketed over the last couple of years yes. uh, alone. And so, you know, I we are in this position where, um, you know, my wife has just, she's really passionate about what I do. And she's always wanted to have the freedom to, you know, leave her job and come and, and basically be my teammate in this um this true vanguard brand right right and and she is talented in ways that i am not i mean she's a a marketing guru she is media communications um is what she her degree is in and so that's that's what she did for her company but she's not passionate about internet securities which she was working on it's like Mm. how do i make that sexy on twitter i don't know (laughs) yeah she wanted to be my teammate you know and awesome um, we got to this point where you know, I things were things were good on Twitch. They weren't bad, but the value of influencers has gone up. And somebody came to me, um, you know, both I I got offers from both Mixer and from Facebook. But Facebook was just they were so proactive. They really valued me, um, and it was it was really personalized the way that they interacted with me. You know, it's, we really like your your community that you've built, the brand you've built, the kind of community that you have, and yeah. sort of. A very very approachable and um you know they really wanted me to to build the, a community like that on their platform and, and obviously they're willing to compensate you for that and so um it's good you know a lot of content creators just live every day is stressful because every day is i have to put the pedal to the floor or i don't make money mm-hmm. how i perform today influences the bottom dollar amount um that i generate today and it's so nice to, you know, make that transition. And I still have that. Obviously, if I'm not building my community, I'm, I'm not making, so, you know, getting supporters and getting donations, all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. But Facebook is basically saying, you know, we'll take care of you in the meantime. We, we know this is a big step down for you coming from a community that you have already established, um, mm-hmm. you know, to coming over here at zero again. And, and it's so good to be able to just not worry about the metrics so much and just do what I want to do. And play the way I want to play, but also that freed us up to say, you know what, Steph, you don't have to work at that job anymore. You can come home. You can. She's got a computer and a little desk right down here in my studio with me, and she does. Um, she works with my mod team. They feel more valued and more interacted with. Obviously, that it's hard for me to be available all the time, but she is. She's in the Discord. She's yeah. interacting with them. She's now. Even like she's launched. I love this. That she's just like, I'm going to do this, Ryan. And she just <laughs> just does goes it. and does. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the, one of the things partner. that she just, she just did is 
um, she launched this this new project where we're sending out care packages to supporters every single week where we're investing in them and she's getting the mailing information. She's she's taking care of all the details. She's sending out these true Vanguard care packages to people who are supporters of ours. And it's all so it's, cool. It's custom made pieces that are in there that you can't get anywhere else. They were specifically made by an artist for that purpose of being in these care packages, which makes them unique and special. And um, and then every now and then she'll just come to me and she'll hand me a postcard that she had printed off with some of our branding on it. She says, um, you know, this person I'm like, oh, of course, yeah, they're a regular, they're a supporter. Like, yeah, so they won the giveaway. So if you want to write them a, a message, go ahead and do it. So she just hands me a, a marker and one of these uh, postcards and I write, um, you know, a tailor made message by hand to this individual that I know so is awesome. in my stream all the time. That's so awesome. And so, it's just, it's so good to have a teammate. It really is. And it's also good for accountability too. But yeah, that's sort of what our transition looked like. Oh, and you want, yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah the details to there. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really appreciate about the way that you can build a community on the Facebook platform, obviously they're, they're newer in the business and they've got some kinks to work out. But one of the things I absolutely love is you know on Twitch, if my channel, if I wasn't live, it's just a dead page. You know, it could be hosting somebody, sure, or they could someone could come to my page and then go flipping through the videos and the clips and whatnot. But for the most part, there's just there's no activity there. Yeah. But with Facebook, my page is is still up. It has content on it. Even when I'm not live, I can post um I can post highlight videos. I can post videos of me talking to my uh, followers right there. Uh, there's discussion threads, yeah. all kinds of unique stuff happening on that page, whether I'm live or not. When people show up, there's something to get engaged with. There's pe- real people to talk to in real time. Yeah. Um, and that's wonderful. It's easier just, to have an always live community, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And then, um, you know, we have our our Frontlines group, which is a, a private group for our supporters. Um Called, they're called the frontliners. That's what we call them. So we've got the frontlines groups. So it's just the supporters are in there. It's got my wife has made daily discussion threads in there, and um, just great, great ways of our community to interact with each other, post their own things. Like for example, every Friday is Flex Friday, okay. where everybody in the in the in the group posts something they're proud of, something they did, whether it's in real life, meeting a new goal personally, or maybe it's a clip that they got, a cool play that they had in, in a game, <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. So. Yeah, it's great Shit. to have an active community, even when I'm not live. The guy's trying to, he's she's make me want to stream on Facebook. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do that shit. And the only way I can do that shit is like by proxy via Discord. Like if I want to mm-hmm. be like, hey, post your fan art or, you know, post something inspired you this week or whatever. Like it's that's all right. taking place that's there. Right. But that's a third party location. It's not directly happening on the page unless the channel's live. So that's pretty fucking cool, bud. Uh, and I'm <laughs> jealous. Um, what, what do you think, um, what is driving discovery on Facebook right now for Facebook gaming? Yeah. Facebook is, um, obviously Facebook has so many users, like astronomical amounts of users on that platform. It's insane. Yeah. And so their algorithm, uh, finds unique ways of promoting you. And they have these interesting metrics where you can sort of gauge your visibility that day. And so, um, for example, the more reactions you get on your live stream, the more times people share it 
and react to it or comment on it, mm -hmm. the more that the algorithm is going to say, hey, this um, people are finding this content interesting. Let's try and find people who have engaged with this type of content before. And we'll just see if this is something that they're interested in. We'll put it on their timeline. Most people, they're their thumbs on the screen and they're just flipping up, flipping up, flipping up, scrolling down on their timeline. They might swipe right past it. But other people, they might stop for a second and, and Facebook senses that. Yeah. And yeah. it'll let me know if somebody stopped on while they're scrolling and they, they saw it on their timeline for at least three seconds. It counts mm -hmm. that as an interaction sure. uh, or as an engagement. Somebody engaged with it, right? They didn't just yeah. swipe past they it. They stopped and looked. But they actually, they took a second to look at it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't translate, obviously not most of those don't translate into actual viewers who come in and, and interact with you, but it's, it's, it's visibility. And so maybe the fifth time this person is scrolling through their timeline and they see me for the fifth time, they might say, you know what? I'll just click on it this time. It's yeah. this same yeah, guy yeah, yeah. I keep seeing his face and he's playing destiny. I like destiny. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's really interesting the way that that, that works, but you can, I remember my debut stream on Facebook, obviously um, some big metrics on that because it was my very first stream, right? Sure. I hyped it up. A lot of people came, um, you know, I was really blown away, away by uh, the number of people that showed up to it. But because so many people came and they were supporting me and they were interacting with it because I had so much interaction that day, I had over 140,000 people spend at least three seconds in that day looking at my content. Yeah. Um, and that's that's astronomical. That's a ton of people interacting with your uh, your content on some level. That's so. crazy. <laughs> um, have you experimented at all with any of the Facebook ad products and like retargeting people that you have uh, gotten impressions in on yet? No. I don't, I have not messed around with any of that yet. <laughs> so one of the things this is this is advice. Um, I guess since we do so much marketing with rare drop, uh, you have, and, and, and these, you know, these have been effective with other streamers on Facebook. Uh, but you have such a powerful ad tool on Facebook that if you have like extra money laying around, um, or if you want to allocate an advertising budget, which like most CPAs go, hooray, that's great for writing things off. Um, uh, -huh. you can, create a post and retarget people who have interacted with a post that you have had out previously. So you'd be able to like do a lookalike audience on your last stream targeting anyone who watched more than five minutes of it or anyone who had like three seconds of engagement, like they watched X percent of the video and you can re-advertise your like anything, your stream, if you have merch, literally anything right across that funnel. And since you've already acquired the follow on your page, this is the key part, right? It's mm. stupid cheap for you to do that because you're not trying to advertise and punch out around into new um, eyeballs, right? You're not trying to get new eyeballs. These are people who've already right. consumed your content. So Facebook is going to hand them up to you on a budget because you've sure. earned them. So Something that I would do if I was in your situation or if you're on Facebook and you're looking for an interesting way to try and increase engagement is there are probably a lot of people who's who have done that process with you. They go through, they stop and maybe they're on time number five. You spend 
X amount of dollars retargeting people who've interacted with an old post. And now suddenly these people are much more deeply engaged because you target them with like a personalized message that says, Hey, this is true Vanguard. I noticed, you know, like, Hey, this is true Vanguard. I just want to say thanks for checking out the stream. We really appreciate everybody who's here. And if you're, you know, if you're looking for a place to whatever advertise the next big event that's going on, experience this thing in the game, I'd love for you to come join me. And then you put a like little join schedule link. Cause I think that's one of the things you can do on an ad is like schedule event. And so then you're marketing against your own earned audience to make sure that they are incredibly engaged and you can create duplicate sure. events. You can create duplicate events just like your first stream on Facebook simply by generating advertising hype and using the back end of stuff. So that's literally the only thing I had to add to the conversation so far. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think um, for you and for anyone else who streams on Facebook, the, the ad product that they have is so powerful. And because you're earning so much attention already, because you're in the algorithm and you're, you're being assisted, you have a really unprecedented opportunity to sort of monetize off the back end of that or grow off the back end of that. Like if your goal is to just get more followers and, and not, you know, sell merch or tickets or like, you know, whatever, you have an opportunity to really, really grow and kind of accelerate that word of mouth by utilizing Facebook's ad features. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's a really cool thing. Um, and if you ever decide to do it, I would love to work with you in making the campaign because I would, I, I want to be helpful and learn. Awesome. <laughs> That's a, that Maybe is, I'll hit you up. that is, that is uh yeah, freestanding offer for you. Um, okay. So we talked about the beginning. We talked about the middle. We talked about transitioning to Facebook and, and and getting started there uh and you've been you've given phenomenal answers for everything um we've really been focusing on what you do to stream but you are doing something right now that i think is incredibly interesting and i want to know what inspired it and and what you've been doing so far to get it to this place you are ho hosting a destiny tournament you're calling it the play your way tournament um and uh, not a lot of, I mean, there are tournaments and this is like tough, right? Okay. Cause I always say something and someone gets mad. People are doing tournaments in destiny. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is absolutely happening. I'm not trying to take away from that. Um, but you're what we have found, you know, when, when we have organized stuff for rare drop, um, <laughs> when we have organized stuff for rare drop is, you know, if you, if you get a lot of, as you said earlier, if you get a lot of influencers pushing, or people that the individuals that people respect sort of saying, Hey, we're going to be holding this tournament. You tend to get a lot more signups. So yeah. Tell everybody about your tournament and like how that idea came about where they can sign up, like what your goal is. Cause I am also very curious about everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've got the play my way tournament and we named it that because that's really the spirit of this tournament, because I have always felt from destiny's Genesis to today that, Destiny is such a wonderful canvas to express creativity on. I think that players, uh, I've encountered so many players who have a really unique flavor for the way that they play Destiny, the way that they approach Destiny. And I just think that's so cool. And a lot of that gets swallowed up, I think, because with every game, there's always what they refer to as the meta. There's always the things that are the best. And those things in competitive environments, they tend to get gobbled up, right? Yeah. And so... I really wanted to make a tournament that was 
the whole goal is just to highlight unique play styles and unique players. And I, um, you know, we've we've already had tons of pushback from what what you might call the sweaty community, the sweats community. And uh, I totally love and appreciate them for what you know what they bring to the table and for their environment that they, they that they live in. And these are all really talented players. They really are. Um, but this is not that. It's not a tournament that's specifically targeting them, although they are mm-hmm. very welcome to it. And a number of people from that community have actually already signed up to participate in our event. Okay. But um, this tournament is basically sidelining anything that our, our whole approach going into making the rule set was if the item makes the choice for the player, gotcha. then it's off the table. Right. So, for example, if spare rations is on the table, that gun has made the choice for the player. Anyone who's in the finals or anyone that's actually going to make it past qualifiers and be on tourney day is going to be running that gun. It's sure. it's the it's a no brainer. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's the best. And so we, if if there's something that has made the choice for the player, we take it off the table and we keep saying this. We keep saying it over and over and over and over again. This is not because we hate these things. This is not because we think these are OP, that they're imbalanced, and that they don't deserve to be in the game. That's not what we're saying. Our whole goal here is to free the player up to express their creativity, right? Right. We don't want the game to make the choice for you about how you're going to play. We want you to make the choice, and we want to see what you can bring to the table. What's your flavor of destiny? And so um, we really are just targeting players who love destiny for the destiny experience. And... Our, our rule set is really unique. It's not like any other rule set that has existed in a Destiny tournament so far. And, you know, I keep telling people who come and they respond to it by saying, this is this is a complete joke. And, sure. I, you know, I tell them, you're free to think that. Yeah. But this is not a hyper-competitive esports activity that we're trying to put on here. This is a fun way for me to give back to the community. This is investment for me to invest in our community and to give them the opportunity to show how they love to play the game. Yeah. And so those sweaty tournaments, what you might call a sweaty tournament, they exist and they're happening all the time. And if you want to engage with that content, do mm. it. These players are just scary good and that's totally fine. Uh, there is no shortage of that type of tournament in Destiny 2 right now. But this is something that's going to be unique. Yeah. Something that's going to be really different. Well, and we like- already have over 300 teams that have signed up to be a part of this activity. And it's, that's so many people. What's the team size? It's a 2v2 tournament. Okay, so it's 600 people, which is an yeah. ass load of folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our Discord server is already over 1,000 people. We just posted, the, we published the link to that, what, like a day and a half ago. That's so crazy. People are really excited about it. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't know much about the tournament. I think that's really interesting that you're saying, like, this is, this is th- what you're talking about reminds me a lot of when, we did halo lands in college for me. Mm-hmm. We would all yeah. have an evening where it was like, fuck it. Fuck you. Fuck your stupid battle rifle and your fucking <laughs> SWAT game, whatever. Go to hell. We're, you know, the fucking Paul set up a custom match. We're playing Paul's rules all night. You can eat a dick with your fucking battle rifle. Like that, <laughs> that is like that. It sort of has that feeling like everybody in the dorm was so stressed from, you know, these constant sweaty halo matches. Um, that we decided to have you like evenings where we would outlaw the standard stuff so that people could have fun again. And I think that that's really cool that you're trying, you're trying to do this with destiny or you are doing it because this tournament's happening. Um, yeah, I think that that's really cool. And I absolutely feel like, especially now hearing all your logic, like it sounds like there's space for it. 
And uh, it's definitely one of those situations where like not everything is for everybody. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, you know, something and we could I would all argue learn. that the yeah. that a more casual gamer that just loves to play the way they love to play. I, I feel like they they've never had something that really targets wrong. them that gives them the opportunity to do something like this. And um, and also, even if they're not participating, I think this is going to reach a whole new type of viewer that likes the Crucible. I think um, so. And I, th- I think that there's people who are just going to engage with it and love the creativity. Yeah, I I I really like it. I think that one of the things. You made me think about a whole bunch of stuff all at once, so I don't really know exactly what I think, but. Um, one of the things that's definitely been lost over time and as the internet and gaming has sort of become commoditized out into content is that there has been this perpetual focus on prestige and challenge and elite gameplay, Mm -hmm. um, which is fucking dope. Like nobody, uh, the most iconic moment from destiny one was on stage in the tournament when Lumi got a super back like twice and murdered an entire team like four times. It's one like, of the most iconic moments in, in destiny history. Yeah. For our community like yeah. that. Yeah. Like that, like those kind of moments are undeniably powerful and so cool. But I think that, and this is every community I've been a part of. I think that there begins to be such a fast trend towards elite gameplay that the joy of play is lost. Like, there's a difference between playing a baseball game in an, a stadium in front of 10,000 people and those mm-hmm. exact same players playing a pickup game, you know, in a park somewhere. That's right. You know, the, the context, the context matters. And I, I think what you're doing is really interesting. It's inspiring some ideas for me, some things that maybe we might want to do at rare drop, but this idea of intentionally building a space that is designed just for play. Like there's a competitive side to it. Someone's going to win, right? But it's designed for play. It's designed to take the game and put it in a place gameplay wise, where it's, it's similar to your first experience so that if you're brand new or if you are not hyper competitive, you have an option to participate in something that is fun because everyone likes to compete. Um, But knowing you're not going to have your, face ripped off <laughs> the whole yeah. time um, and as a, as an added incentive for creativity we're we're actually saying you know what we're gonna give away a hefty prize a hefty prize okay for the team that has the most creative approach and plays their way most proficiently right hmm. the person that not that, that comes in with a really creative loadout but plays it incredibly well yeah. very well refined the team that shows us that is going to get a happy. I don't care if they come in, you know, third, fourth, fifth, first, doesn't matter if they come in first, they're going to double down on prizes. But But, um, yeah, the team that expresses the most amount of creativity and proficiency with their unique build is, is going to get a hefty prize. So what if I do like a warlock with a Monte Carlo and then I have constant sentient arc soul buddy with me (laughs) <laughs> and then I, but all, but my, but my secondary, my, my energy weapon is a sidearm. Is I'd that, say you have decent taste if you're using a sidearm. Is that, is that a, is that a good, is that a good loadout 
<clears throat> Might be I don't know. Let's see. Enough. Bring it to the table. I'll tell you. <laughs> we'll see how you play with it. Yeah. Now, now I'm now I'm excited about. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited about your tournament. Um, are you planning on doing more of these in the long term, or are you yeah, kind so of waiting for the? It results? really depends on how it's how well it's received. I mean, obviously, participation right now, from what we can see, is really high. Um, but as with most things, this is a pretty major investment. I mean, I, you know, I dumped a lot of resources into uh, and time uh, to have custom assets created, right. logo, branding, animations, backgrounds, transitions. I mean, there's a lot going on there. And on top of that, it's all the time spent on the phone with potential sponsors and gaming yeah. companies. And yeah. and we've got some really cool partners uh, this time around. But it, it is a lot of work. So it depends on how well it's received. Also, there are limitations on uh, tournaments. Like you, I can't just be like, screw it. I got a million bucks in my bank account. And I'm sure. just going to have a million dollar tournament. Like yeah. you can't just do that. Um, so Bungie has restrictions on how much you're $50, allowed to put dollars is pool. the maximum prize pool. I know all about that. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't exceed that prize pool. And then there's also limitations per year. Uh, you know, how many, how many tournaments like this you do, you can reach another cap for a number of prizes yeah. uh, in the pool per year. So it really does depend. And we're going pretty hard on this first one. So sure. there's not going to be a whole lot of room this year. If I do another one, I could only do one more this year. Gotcha. Uh, if I'm going to have decent prizes in the pool. Um, I will tell you that everyone is open to making provisions when they see results. <laughs> yeah. We, right. I mean, we got to we got to we got to have uh, an outsized total prize pool, I think, because it was for charity. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, you never know. I, I think that. I think companies, especially Bungie and any company that's smart, they build rule sets that protect them. Um, but they're always willing to make exceptions for people. If you won, and this is this is important lesson for everyone in life. Talk to them first <laughs> about what you <laughs> want to do. Yeah. Um, and then two, like have a game plan. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's always it's usually never. No, it's it's usually let's see what we can do. Uh, <laughs> uh, like top to bottom across the board. Um, what else did I think would be really cool to talk to you about? What is the best whiskey you've ever had? The best whiskey I have ever had out of left field, Shoot. but I imagine, you know what? Um, this is going to sound bizarre. I, I don't know. Okay. I'm going to answer this. Maybe not. It's the best, but it was like the most memorable whiskey experience. The, the, the whiskey that stands out as being one I've never had like it. And I probably won't have like it again. Okay. Okay. There is a, um, a distillery called gray skies. Um, very, very young distillery and they make an incredible breakfast rye whiskey. Okay. So it's a, it's a rye whiskey. How do they make that shit breakfast? But, but they actually age it in a cask that had um, maple syrup in Shit. it. So the wood in the cask has really soaked up the flavors of the maple syrup, right? Yeah. So what you get is this. I love this breakfast rye. If you ever see it, it they don't distribute very far, though, because they're very young. But if you ever find a bottle of Grey Skies breakfast rye, try it. It is fan-freaking-tastic. But 
I need it. Everyone needs it right Here's now. Here's the thing. <laughs> there's this there's this bar. Okay. In downtown Grand Rapids, right? I live outside of Grand Rapids, okay? Gotcha. Um and there's this bar. Everyone raves about well, not everyone. I keep seeing these back channels like, "Oh, you got to go to the sidebar. Got to go to the sidebar." And it's like, "Man, where's this place at?" So, last time Steph and I went downtown on a date, um after we had dinner, we went looking for this sidebar and we went to like the address and the address was, there was literally nothing. Like we're in the middle of downtown on a, on a street and there's just, there's no signs, no doors, no nothing. Well, we're like, we're so confused and people told us like, it's kind of hard to find. Okay. And so there's like this ramp that goes under the street level. Okay. Down to this, just this dark door. You know, okay. we go down there, open up the door and it's it's real dark. It's dismal. It almost feels like a like a hotel in the eighties that was never updated. It's just real small room. But then there's just this unmarked door. You know, I mean, you would open that door and you would think there's nothing here. This is weird. You turn around and walk away. But there's yeah. just this unmarked door inside this entryway. This unmarked door. And sure enough, you open it and it is. You walk in and you get the smell of this real cozy boozy little almost like a speakeasy kind of a room it only fits 15 people holy shit only fits 15 <laughs> people they have three bartenders on staff at all times wow. all with their own unique uh specialties this is the number one um number one rated bar in grand rapids and it's so hard to find um like if you're unwilling to go into a dark creepy place in <laughs> a downtown after yeah, like yeah, after hours looking, you're never gonna find it. So we go in there, you know, sit, there's two spots left right at the bar. And so Steph and I sit down and I'm talking to the, the the tender that knows about whiskey, right? Yeah. And uh he's like, I got something for you to try. Cause I asked, I said, Do you have any breakfast dry on hand? Because I was just gonna open up the night with some breakfast dry. And he's like, We don't actually, but I got got something else for you that you might check out. He pulls this bottle out of a uh, a little tiny fridge that was tucked underneath the the bar counter. And he pulls out this bottle and it's like, it's an unmarked bottle uh, and it was chilled. And typically you don't like, you don't chill your whiskeys. Um, and he's like, okay, so this is what this is. Grace guys, they don't distribute this at all. It's not, it's not bottled and distributed anywhere. Okay. You literally have to bring a bottle to the distillery and get a little bit of this if you want it. But they did this experimental batch where they took their breakfast rye and when they put it in the maple syrup cask to age the rye whiskey, they actually put in bacon fat. Okay. They put in bacon fat into the barrel. Okay. And then when. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> and then they chill it. I'm not hungry at all. And so I, he pours me just a, just a standard pour and I try it and it was incredible. Like I can't. It bl- it blew me away. It was it was like an outer body experience. I yeah. and he said he said I hope you enjoyed it because I mean he said he said that pours on me and I I'm not allowed to give uh, anyone more than one pour. He said chances are you'll never have that drink again in your life. And I was it was it was phenomenal. Oh man, I want to eat that. <laughs> I want to eat it. I made um, I still need to make this for Amy. This was like uh, this was back when I was in college. I think I made this for my sister and my brother-in-law. Um, they were like big on trying alcohol and different stuff. So I made uh, I made drunken breakfast. So everything had moonshine in it. 
Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you if you if you want like a fun like okay so this is perfect when it's cold outside. Like if you're looking for a pre, let's say you're going. It's Christmas Eve. You need to eat breakfast before you go see your in-laws and you can't stand your in-laws. This might not be true for you, but this is true for someone who's listening right now. This is what you're going to do. You're going to wake up. You're going to get the day before you're going to buy a, a jar of blueberry moonshine. Okay. Highest proof you can get. That's okay. important. All right. So you're going to, you're going to take it out. You're going to strain all the blueberries out. Those are the blueberries for your pancakes. Put them over there. Make your pancake though. Put the blueberries in it. All right. And then you're going to make pancakes while that's happening. Okay. You're going to take however much syrup you think you're going to be using. Okay. For, for breakfast. And then you're going to mix, uh, you're going to mix it like one to four with the moonshine. So you're going to get a little more alcohol. Is it four four the four of the moonshine? Four (laughs) the syrup, four the syrup, one of the moonshine. No, 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 no. I'm not going to ask you to oil slick. (laughs) <laughs> all of your pancakes to turn them into kindling for the fire later. Holy crap. <laughs> and then you're going to light them on fire. Uh, okay. <clears throat> so you have all that. Um, you, you can toss it. If you toss a little bit, like two teaspoons into the uh, batter that you're mixing for the pancakes, you'll get like a really crisp edge because alcohol has a lower evaporating point. So uh-huh. it'll, it'll cook off really quick and give it like this nice crisp edge. Um, <clears throat> so you have all that and you serve that, for breakfast and then you know you make whatever your favorite breakfast drink is you probably want a mimosa because you're about to have a lot of really heavy stuff um you can even cook if you get some maple moonshine you can cook the bacon in it Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the Mm -hmm. goal is by the time you're done eating breakfast you're you're pretty much blasted Um, (laughs) but it's a really comfortable drunk because you just ate so many carbs that you just stay buzzed for like four hours it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty solid. And everyone is that you could, everyone can say, have you been drinking? And you're like, no, not at all. I just ate breakfast. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that whole story reminded me of, of cooking drunken breakfast for my family. Um, God damn. I just want to talk about food now. I know. Do you have a custom, do you have like a favorite thing to cook? Favorite thing to cook, yeah. you know. I really. We're just like, gonna get to know um, each other now, chat. Sorry. So I have a. Um, <laughs> yeah, everyone's just gonna. You guys have to suffer with us now. No, that's good. Food. No, it's cool. So um, my favorite thing to make, right? I we have a local butcher that's great because uh, sort of southwest side of Grand Rapids, there's a lot of uh, farms down in that general area. So good fresh meat. Yeah, and uh, I get I get a fresh uh, pork shoulder roast. Right, I bring it home. I have a whole dry rub recipe that's pretty well refined at this point. I dry rub the ever living crap out of that thing. Nice. Every nook, every cranny. I get real handsy with that baby. Nice. And um, and uh, yeah, so we 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 braise it. Okay, it cooks all day at relatively low temps. Um, but I bring it out a couple of times, and I do a homemade uh, beer barbecue sauce. Okay, it's like a it's like a stout. Um, I always use a specific salt in my recipe. So do a, 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 yeah, beer barbecue sauce and it, it cooks basically all day. And then later in the day, we add the barbecue sauce to it because we want it to get nice and caramelized and let that dry rub really set in before we start putting any liquids on it. And then we get the, yeah, we get that barbecue beer, beer barbecue sauce all over it. And then we, we pull it, shred it, do sandwiches. It's, it's, it's where it's at. That sounds 
astonishingly good. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that sounds, I feel like I was like, I knew you just had, you just had a great recipe. I did finally remember the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. <clears throat> yeah, shoot. So you mentioned earlier that your, your wife is sort of like deeply involved in your brand. Um, and, and sort of manages a lot of stuff for you. You're talking about like giveaways. You're talking about, she's, you know, she's helping communicate with your mods more consistently, stuff like that. How, uh, what safeguards do you have in place for your relationship, um, to prevent work from constantly bleeding over? Or is that even a problem that you have? Like is work you know being what? around all the time? Totally. Okay. With y'all. I'm really curious. Cause I don't think I got to ask Ben this question like two years ago with, uh, with him and, you know, Sam. So yeah, you will be yes. the first person to answer this. I was setting you up. Home All run. right. Perfect. Here you go. You know, we, <laughs> we pretty much had boundaries set in place uh, for work spillover well before she ever started working with me. And none of that's okay. really changed. Um, now she's, my wife is a one in a million because not only is she smoking hot, but she's also patient and understanding of the kind of work that I do and the demands that, 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 that has, you know, that come with that, you know, cause yeah. as a content creator, you, the challenge is you have to be relevant at all times of every day. And sometimes there are things that if you're going to stay relevant, you need to be involved in. And that could happen at 7 PM. That could happen at 9 PM. That could happen at 8 AM. That could happen in the middle of the night when something gets unlocked in a puzzle and you need to get content out on it. Um, and so we found ways of navigating those challenges now that I've been doing this for, you know, almost six years uh, full time. Yeah. And and so, yeah, luckily, those are practices that we found a good routine with before she ever started working uh, with me. And, and, and even now, it's even though she's doing work for my brand, she's not always like right here beside me. You know, when I'm streaming, I'm engaged with the with chat. I'm engaged with stream. And, you know, she might be upstairs uh, working on a computer or whatever it is that she's doing. You know, it's not like we're physically right next to each other all the time. And so we don't get sick of each other um, with her working with, for me now. Cause it's not like we sit next to each other and engage with each other from start to finish the whole time, um, you know, for all eight hours that we're working. So, you know, luckily that's not been a challenge yet. It was a challenge years ago when we had to find that rhythm, but not so much right now when we're working together, luckily, I think it's important that you sort of establish those things Early on, before yeah. they're a problem. <laughs> so, you know, so that's salvaging so, is a lot harder than, than yeah. it is to prepare for something. So now I'm super curious uh, because I know most of like the work life balance things that people try to do. Um, and usually it's different when you're in business with each other. So I am extra curious about like what like what are those best practices for you two? like what is the what is the like, here's how we handle making sure that work stops for the day or, or whatever. Yeah, we, we honestly, we have, uh, and uh, our approach is basically honesty. If I'm looking that's at great. my phone, that's a good, that's a great approach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, like, we don't sugarcoat going. crap. If I'm looking at my phone and my daughter wants my attention, I don't realize it. Steph will look at me and she'll be like, Ryan, put your phone away. And, and I know I don't argue. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I'm in the middle of an email with a potential sponsor, I, I put the phone down. And, uh, you know, I engage with the kids, mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is. And so we just it's just raw honesty and we respect each other enough that when somebody I, you know, I know that if she's to the point where she's going to say that openly, 
It means that if I don't comply, I'm in trouble. And it's not because she's been controlling, mean, manipulative. It's because she sees something I don't see in that moment. And we mm-hmm. just you just have to trust that trust. your spouse has your children's best interest at heart, your best interest at heart, and the quality of this family's best interest at yeah. heart. And so in that moment, you don't question it. You just it's trust. It sounds like it sounds like you have both also had a lot of discussions about making sure your goals are aligned mm-hmm. because she's drawing your attention to something that, you know, you want to do. Right. That's that's what I mean. Yeah. Like she said, hey, you're, right. put your phone down. You want to talk to your like we talked before. We want to focus on the kids. And so she's like bringing attention to something that. Right. Like that you've previously agreed on again, communication. Yeah, absolutely. That's so and huge. So, uh, again, you know, man of mantras, this all comes back. And, and and the same principle applies to my wife. She's not an inconvenience, you know. Mm-hmm. She's a lot of things, but an inconvenience isn't one. So in those moments, I have to be receptive. I have to be adaptable. Um, I have to understand that I the things that I think are important in the moment are not always the things that are most important. I'm sure you have these moments too, whether you have kids or not, doesn't yeah. matter. You're married to somebody. Yeah. You know, no, and, that's, you know, another thing that factors into it is that everybody handles their relationships differently. Certainly. Uh, with me and Steph, we don't, we don't really do like typical gender roles. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of homes. It's pretty much the exact the, opposite of me and Amy. We'll keep going. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. No, it is. Um, it's funny. I, I'll, I'll tell you about it in a second. That's no, great. Keep okay. Cool. We don't really, <laughs> don't really do gender roles we really split everything so some nights i cook some nights she cooks some nights uh well every every single night we flip-flop kids because we have a whole bedtime routine and our our goal for bedtime is that each kid feels loved unique appreciated on their own so every night we swap kids so when uh, 745 hits 740 you know around there we break off and so I get boy one night. I get the boy. Gotcha. And me and me and my son will go. We'll do the brush of the teeth, the whole getting ready for bedtime routine. We sit down. We read books together. We sing songs together. We unpack our day together. What were your highs? What were your lows? What's what's some great thing that you got to do today at school? You know, we share stories. And so he gets to unwind. He has to unpack. He has to feel loved, valued, appreciated. And we split everything. So the next night, I'm with the I'm with my daughter, and I get that time with her. Uh, I do dishes. She does dishes. I take out the trash. She takes out the trash. Yeah. It's all split. So when we're in these moments, I think because of that, the way that we handle our, our in the house stuff in those moments where there's controversy in those moments where I'm being challenged, it's, it's a lot easier to resent someone when you feel like, well, I have my stuff that I do and she just doesn't understand it. You know what I mean? It's easy to get that way when you have your roles and you know what goes into doing those things, but she doesn't get it. You know what I mean? But since we split everything, it's really easy just to come back to that baseline and understand where the other person is coming from and to progress forward because of it. Yeah. No, that's, that's really awesome. (laughs) I, so I, the gender roles thing I laughed about is because like I'm Amy and I are both like super progressive. Like we don't, we don't, we didn't assign gender roles in our relationship. Right. Um, uh-huh. But after we moved down here, it, it sort of fell that way. And we both noticed it after like a year of like being married, we were like, Jesus Christ, this is like really like 1950s. Like what the fuck is happening? <laughs> cause you know, she, cause because the thing like Amy, Amy likes to keep a clean house and she loves to decorate and she loves fucking cooking. It's like all stuff that brings her immense joy. Right. And Mm -hmm. one of my dreams growing up was to whoever I married um, was to 
you know, be able to be a single income family because that for me growing up as a child, and I know it's a pipe dream <laughs> given the, given the economic situation for a lot of folks, but me right. as a kid, I really appreciated that I, I had a parent around as much as I did. And so it was like a, again, like a, a big pie in the sky dream, but sure. Um, thanks to, you know, Twitch, it's, it's been, it's been a possibility. And now Amy's like, you know, she's, she's poking around looking at maybe, you know, going back into doing like traditional work instead of managing our finances, which is like a huge nightmare <laughs> because <laughs> I touched say. them because I touched them. Well, you know, because like doing, cause it's, you know, everyone's getting tax season anyway. So it's like super relevant. You're getting your W twos and your 1099s. Taxes as a streamer is fucking nightmare. Yeah. Oh, time to get my butt kicked again. Like, Perfect. I love is, tax season. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like taxes is a fucking nightmare. And, and anything I, if I touch paperwork, it gets cursed. And Amy <laughs> yeah, didn't believe that. me until she watched it happen like live like to bills, the bills would come in every month. She'd take care of all of them, except the, I would grab a random one and pay it because I was just like doing my morning routine and trying to be helpful. And then uh -huh. that would be the bill that somehow didn't get paid. Like if the payment didn't process next month, she's like, stop. She was literally one day. She says, stop touching it. <laughs> she's like, stop touching all of these bills <laughs> no, no, because no. <laughs> we want these bills to stay paid. <laughs> yeah. Paul's in chat saying it's honestly true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, I mean, I, it's something that I really admire, um, throughout the, like this entire conversation is how absolutely mindful you are about the, like you, you approach everything holistically, like work is integrated into the rest of your life. Very, it's I, clearly with much effort, but it runs very well. Like there's, you're not, you're not throwing out every example of when things fell apart. Um, you know, so I, I want to commend you on that. First of all, because I recognize how difficult that has got to be. Um, and thank I wanted you. to say thank you for, for joining me and sharing all this stuff. Uh, because yeah, somehow we've been talking for an hour and a half already. And I, I do need to get home. <laughs> I know you said like we could take as much time as we want, but Mondays end up being long days uh, for me. I hear you. So yeah, I, you. I well, try it's to. It's been my genuine pleasure. Yeah, it's been incredible. So before we sign out, whatever you want to promote, whatever you've got going on, uh, the floor is yours and then I will, I will take us out. All right. Yeah. Um, so, well, I appreciate it. Anybody and everybody who stayed tuned tonight and enjoyed interacting with me and pro row in our conversation. If you, if you do want to find me in any capacity, uh, best places would be, uh, probably Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Facebook is where you'll find me on the daily. Uh, we have a wonderful community. That's very warm and welcoming there. Facebook gaming. It's just fb.gg slash the true Vanguard. And you'll find us right there. And uh, I'm very active on Twitter. I love being on Twitter and interacting with people there. So feel free to stop by the true Vanguard there on Twitter. Same thing on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and I am Professor Broman. Thank you for uh, stopping by and listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening to the 100th episode of Ask Broman. Um, I want to, again, thank True Vanguard for joining us and, and being here today. Chat, listen, I, I think that we've had probably one of the best episodes we've, we've ever had about really practical advice about laying out starting, um, as a broadcaster in especially dealing with really complex issues like family and relationships. Um, so I'm sure true Vanguard would be happy to answer any of those questions in the future too. So you should definitely go follow For him. Sure. Um, and, uh, if you want some more detail, please, if, if you know anyone that's trying to start out content creation and, and they are, are a parent, um, or in a relationship, I would, I would love it if you could 
share this episode with them because I feel like it would be really, really, really helpful. Uh, but for now, me and, and True Vanguard are going to say goodbye and thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.